is a Woodside Church podcast. Good morning. It's great to uh, be with you this morning. Uh, wasn't that an amazing time of worship? Talk about God speaking with such clarity amongst us. Uh, in fact, what I've got to share has been wonderfully set up by God. And so I'm, I'm probably the most excited person in the room at the moment because I'm thinking, yes, thank you, Lord. And so uh, much to get into. In fact, as has been mentioned, we're looking at 1 Peter. I'll be looking at this letter from one of the first followers of Jesus. Remarkable insight. This man lived with Jesus, spent his life with Jesus, so much of it. Saw Jesus die and then witnessed his resurrection. And then he's encouraging other believers like us about how to work out the Christian life. It's so, so helpful, this letter. I'm getting so much from it. I know many of us are as well. But I'd like to jump straight in. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read from verse 11. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles or your smartphones to hand, you can grab those. Um, I think it will come on the screen as well. So it's 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 11. It goes like this. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourself to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, This is commendable before God. So this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who just judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed for you were like sheep going astray but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Let's pray, shall we? (laughs) Let's pray for the preacher. God, we thank you so much that you are building us into a people of power and a people of praise. We thank you, Lord, that 
you are reminding us today that we are to move through this land by your spirit in order to see your name glorified amongst us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you declared that you are building your church. We are yours, Lord. Our lives are yours. You have plans for us. And if we've been reminded, there is a sense of your favor upon us. And Lord, we thank you so much that there is half a wall built. But we thank you that's the beginning of something that you have planned for us. And so we pray, God, would you speak to us, even through these verses, which as we get into, we will realize how much they align to those prophetic voices. We thank you so much that you're speaking to us. Lord, I pray for each individual today that we would hear your voice for us today. We want to go away, Lord, change people as a result of how your word speaks to us by your spirit. We ask this and we all say, Amen. Amen. Do you feel like ever you're the only Christian around? Do you know that feeling? I, 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 well, I don't feel that feeling today, but I'm sure many of us know what that feels. And maybe in your workplace, uh, you, uh, just, you are maybe the only Christian around. Or maybe in your street or your block of fat, flats or your neighborhood, maybe in your school. Maybe you feel like maybe you are the only Christian in your school that you're aware of, or maybe in your school year. Maybe in your club or your sports team. Maybe in your family you're the only Christian. Maybe in your home where you live you're the only Christian. See, Peter knows that feeling. And he's writing, he says, dear friends who are in who are foreigners and exiles, he recognizes that actually their home is heaven, that they are Christian believers and therefore are different to those that are around them. Their values are different, their choices are different. And in many respects, they feel that sense of being the only Christian around. They're scattered Christians all over the place in northern Turkey that we would know today, but the culture around them doesn't believe what they believe. And into that feeling, Peter gives this killer line in verse 12. He says this, live such good lives among the pagans. Pagans is just an old-fashioned word for unbelievers, those who aren't Christians. Live such good lives among unbelievers that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So why would Peter have to say that to them and to us? Well, actually, they were in a very similar situation in many respects that we're in today. And I've got a couple of reasons why Peter would say this. The first is this. Christians are seen as the bad guys. Christians are seen as the bad guys then because they were different, they had different values, different priorities, but also today. They're surrounded by a culture that basically, and we're surrounded by a culture that basically disagrees with the things that we believe. And it's gone so quickly. A few years ago, we were the good guys. Do you remember? Do you remember those good days? We were the good guys, good guys. And then it transitioned a few years later, and we were like, well, people were indifferent about what we believe. Eh, Christians, yeah, whatever. 
to the point now is many would see us as the bad guys. Or to put it another way, uh, it used to be, ah, the Christians, yes. To, now it's, "Mm, not sure about them. Not sure about what they believe. Suspicious of what we might hold dear to. What way, way we value or believe. That's the first thing. The second thing that Peter knows that you and I, as Jesus followers, have the potential to influence and change the lives of those around you. Because Jesus is building a people of power and a people of praise. Now, if you're a non-Christian here, if you're not a believer, it's great to have you with us. Let me reassure you that this isn't a manipulative thing. This is actually God instructing his people to love those around them. In fact, these verses illustrate once again how much God loves all people. The Bible says that Jesus came, God sent his son, uh, because he so loved the world. And so this is another example of how the Bible demonstrates God's love for all people. Peter says, live such good lives. In fact, the words that are used for good lives could be described as attractive or even beautiful. Peter is saying, live attractive, beautiful lives. I'd love to look at how why and where to live such good lives. How you and I, according to Peter, instructs us how, why and where to live these beautiful, attractive lives. First, how to live such good lives. See, what Peter's doing is he's given almost like a guidebook of how to live in this land. Have you ever done that before you go to a country or an area that you've never been to before? You buy a guide. You, 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 we do still do that, don't we? I know you can search the internet, but you can buy a guidebook and read about all this, all this nation. I once bought one of, of what China was like because I thought I was going to be going to China and it never happened. And I discovered how enormous China is and how diverse it is. And the book was, it was a big book. But Peter is instructing, almost like a guidebook, about how we are to live these lives. Verse 11 begins like this. Abstain from sinful desires. It's, you know, it's helpful to ask the question, what are the cultural pressures and the cultural norms around us? What's it like being a teenager today? What are the pressures that you're experiencing the things that your friends might choose to do? What are the cultural norms for teenagers? What if you're a single person? What's it like being a single person? What are the things that single people do in our culture that maybe there's a pressure? Or maybe you're married, mum or dad, commuting to London, you've got three kids. What's it like for you? I remember back in the day, many years ago, I was in business, and we used to, I used to travel quite a lot, used to... Uh, go stay overnight in many hotels with, with other people from the same companies that I worked for. And it was very commonplace that people would sleep around. That was, we were talking 20, 30 years ago. There was cultural norms, and there are cultural norms around. It's good to understand what they are. And Peter says, abstain from these sinful desires. And then he goes on 
to verse 12. Live such good lives among pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Verse 15 also says this, For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. This is how we are to live such good lives. With good deeds. With blessing people around us. With serving people. With doing good for people. To be attractive in such a way that they begin to ask the question, what is it about you that's different? Many of us remember an amazing woman called Shirley Dixon. No longer with us, in glory. And Shirley used to be involved in so much of church life. And one of the areas I know she was involved in was play people with all the mums and dads and the young children. And the mums and dads loved Shirley. Because she, she demonstrated this beauty. I mean, she was beautiful to look at as well, but inside she was stunning. She oozed Jesus. She would go the extra mile. When Dawn and I moved to Bedford from St. Neitz, uh, the moving com- company kept saying to me, there's a strange woman outside the house <laughs> that keeps coming by and then disappearing again because we hadn't arrived. And then I'm thinking, who is this crazy woman? It was Shirley. And she came up to me and she flung her arms around me. She said, Martin, I'm a hugger. (laughs) But she oozed Jesus. She was beautiful. She was so attractive. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Verse 13 goes on. It says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Whether the emperor as a supreme authority, all the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. He's talking about governments and people in authority. He then talks about slaves and masters, which I'll comment on in a moment. These verses also apply to employees and employers. It's about submitting ourselves to whatever human authority we find ourselves under. Let me just say something about slavery because some people, uh, uh, even today, confuse these words. Peter is not condoning or affirming slavery. Clearly not. He's trying to help those who are in slavery to know how to live in that circumstance. In fact, other verses in Philemon, particularly Paul, one of the other leaders, talks about how slavery and Christianity doesn't, doesn't fit. And uh, there's much we could say on that. But just to be clear, although the Bible speaks about slavery, it's not condoning it in any way. Quite the opposite. We can get into that. But what it is talking about here is how you and I are to submit to human authority. Do you know, this week, on more than one occasion, I've heard people say this phrase, I don't see why I should play by the rules. They don't play by the rules. Now, I don't want to get too political here. And I'm not taking any sides. And I'm waiting for the grey reports like everyone else. But whatever it might be, whatever authority it might be, the Bible says that we should obey human authority. That's how Peter encourages us. Now there are exceptions, of course. Elsewhere, 
There's moments when believers are told not to teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what are they going to do? They teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts 5 is a good example of that. So this isn't talking about that. This is talking about how we live our lives and how we respect authority. And our example is Jesus, verse 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Christ suffered for you and I. He didn't retaliate. He was an example for us. And so we are to be those that are those that follow in his steps. Why do we do that? So people see how we live our lives. And they begin to question, why are you like that? Why do you make those decisions? Also to show proper respect in verse 17, uh, to everyone, affirm everyone, honor everyone, and love the family of believers, we're told. Fear God, that means reverence to God, and honor the emperor, those in authority. There's an awful lot about being very, very good citizens here, way beyond what most people would have been like. And of course, the Roman Empire, which they would have been a part of, were not the great, wholesome, righteous leaders, we understand. So the context is far more extreme than we would ever experience. This is counter-cultural in anybody's observation. This is about Christians being so attractive and so beautiful that people begin to say, why are you like this? So much today, sadly, people form into different tribes. It can be politically. It can be in other settings. But these are people that belong to one another. And belong to Jesus. That's who we are. We are united. Those who vote conservative, those, I'm going to miss someone now, those who vote Labour, Lib Dem, whoever. Forgive me if I haven't mentioned your party, but it's not about that, is it? It's about we're united in Christ. Peter begins by saying how we are to live our lives. Next, he goes on to say where to live such lives good lives. We've had how to live such good lives. What about where to live such good lives? Well, the beginning of verse 12 tells us, live such good lives among pagans, among unbelievers. Jesus put it another way. He said, you're the, the light and the salt. You're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Light only works if it's in dark places, have you noticed? I nearly got a torch out today and I thought, well, if I shine a torch it's not going to make much difference. We're supposed to be in dark places, bless you. Uh, salt is something that was used particularly then, but sometimes now, as to preserve something, to enhance. And it's all about being in close proximity. Someone wrote a book about being out of the salt shaker and into the world. We're supposed to be among unbelievers. Not in some sort of holy huddle, not... not protecting ourselves from this world that thinks differently. No, the complete opposite. We're supposed to be those that are living lives in the world as believers. Many years ago, a friend of mine did a survey in a church, uh, and and one of the questions was how many uh, non-Christian friends people had, real close friends. And the... um, Someone who answered the survey was someone who'd only recently become a Christian. 
And she had observed that many of the Christians who had been Christians for many years, is one of the things that she'd noticed is they didn't have that many non-Christian friends. And so she lied on her form. Because she thought that's what a Christian should be like. Someone who doesn't have many non-Christian friends. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Something's very wrong there, isn't it? We're supposed to live among. It's only when we're among people. Now, most of you have this a lot easier than I do because you have proper jobs or you go to school or, or you're in an environment where you're not surrounded by Christians. I, lo- I do love Christians, I just want you to know, but I do love being with unbelievers. Dawn is, my wife there, Dawn, is so helpful. We, we go out with Dawn's friends at work. Uh, in fact, we've got a date coming up, haven't we? Uh, the other day, Dawn spoke to our neighbours who we got to know really well over the last two years and... Uh, they're arranging a jubilee party. Uh, we're not going to do it for the street. We live in a long street. Uh, but the, 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 that would be one party, wouldn't it? <laughs> hey, why shouldn't we do that? <laughs> Have you organised a jubilee party for your neighbours as a chance to, to, to be among people? That's what Peter is talking about. Where to live such good lives? Among unbelievers. Then... The hope is that they would then see how different you are. Then begin to ask questions. Why? Why did you do that? Why did you not do that? And thirdly, why to live such good lives? The first is to glorify God, which is partly what I said in the previous point. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, and they may do, they may not like what we believe in, might not be decisions we made, but they may see your good deeds and that would lead to them glorifying God on the day he visits us. When Jesus returns, that they would also be one of those that declare that he is Lord, he is their saviour. That's why we live good lives. So what's it like in school when the language is not what you'd want it to be? Or they're pulling people down, there's gossip and there's, there's negative things. Are we pulling people up? Are we speaking well of people? If you're a parent, how do you parent your children? How, how do you do that? Is, is it something that, that, that demonstrates something to those around you of who God is? What about how we use our finances? How are we contributing, whether it's to a church or a charitable, another charity, and how we put our trust in God and not on other things. There's a, a culture around us that sadly is often gather, gather, gather. That's where they get security from. Whereas the Christian is give, give, give. It's about living different lives amongst those that are around us. Verse 21, put it this way. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, living you an example that you should follow in his steps. Peter wants us to ponder how, why, and where to live good lives. To know, to take us back to the prophetic, to know that Jesus is building us into a particular type of people, a people that make particular decisions. It's not necessarily easy, which is why I love that song, because it's, it's, it's fueled by the Spirit of God. We can't do this without the equipping power of the Holy Spirit. But imagine living such good lives 
that people are attracted by it. Imagine living such good lives that people that you know just have to ask, what is it about you? Why do you make those decisions? Why did you not do that? Imagine living such good lives that ultimately someone would find Jesus. And imagine living such good lives that this room would be filled with your friends and your neighbours and your family. That's what Jesus is calling us to. And that's what Peter is saying. That's what he has for his church. When living in a foreign land, how do we respond? We live such beautiful, attractive lives that they say, wow, God must be amongst you. Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.